welcome to the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast with co-founders and hosts, Tracy Callahan and Deborah Doak. Each week, we tackle another tough topic to help professional divorce coaches maximize client impact and cultivate thriving practices. We also want to spread the word about the expertise and value that certified divorce coaches bring to the table. At DCA, we are committed to ongoing learning and we value generosity among divorce coaching professionals. We believe that when one succeeds, we all succeed. Welcome back to the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast. I'm Deborah. I'm here with Tracy. Hey. Hey. <laughs> and, you know, today we want to talk about helping clients avoid common mediation mistakes. We know that the world is really doing a great job of moving families into ADR processes, right? It's becoming more and more popular for couples even to choose mediation on their own to help navigate their divorce settlement or some co-parenting issues they're having. And we're huge fans of that. Um, And even courts are requiring mediation before they'll schedule hearing dates, before they're scheduled trial dates. And so a big round of applause for all of that. But what we also know is that when people aren't prepared to go into that mediative process, it isn't as successful as it could be. And we see some common mistakes that we think divorce coaches can really intervene and make a big difference because we're working with an individual and an individual can make a change in that mediation room, in that Zoom room, in that process. So Tracy, let's spend some time today talking about how divorce coaches can help clients avoid some of these common problems we see. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I, I want to reiterate, divorce coaches can be pivotal in this process. And and we know that there are typically two parties to a conflict and the mediative process as a form of alternative dispute resolution is becoming the the thing to do. And and for so many reasons, why the the states are upholding an alternative dispute resolution process and supporting a mediative process for, for parties looking to divorce for some big reasons. One, the court doesn't really want to deal with it. Right? They, <laughs> they don't. They, they absolutely don't, right? And and the court is limited by their application of law, right? So it's a very black and white process. And they really truly believe, aside from the fact that they don't want to do it, it costs the court system a tremendous amount of money. There are cases, there was just recently in the news that to get divorced, to have a trial in New Jersey right now is six months minimum, minimum, just because there's a shortage of family judges, right? They had some vacant positions. So the courts are overwhelmed. It's extremely costly to the court system that our taxpayers pay for our court system, right? And they recognize and uphold the fact that they believe even in conflict, families know what's best for them, right? And the other thing that we know about a negotiated settlement agreement is that the compliance rate for upholding the agreement is far greater when the parties come to that agreement on the on their own rather than being forced to do so or so ordered 
by a judge. Okay. So for all of those reasons, why we know that alternative dispute resolution, the form of mediation and divorce is extremely beneficial on so many ends. Okay. But as you said, right, if clients are not prepared for that process, it can be disastrous and it actually can end up costing the client more money if they go into the mediative process unprepared. Yep. Right. So some of the common mistakes, one of the biggest ones that we see is that clients are uninformed about mediation and their role in mediation. Okay. And, and we especially see this with pro se litigants, right? Individuals who are entering into the pro se mediation process without attorneys. Now we know as divorce coaches, we do not legally advise clients, right? But we can help so much in terms of helping them understand the process of mediation, getting themselves in check to just show up for mediation, right? Which requires emotional management and regulation, as well as what is their role there? right? How do they do this? What does they do? What does the mediator do? What are they supposed to do, right? So clients that are going into mediation and really want to be able to effectively and efficiently utilize the process and the time, if they haven't even thought about what their options are and something as simple as holidays, right? You're going to be sitting there spending a whole hell of a lot of time arguing over who's getting Thanksgiving versus not getting Thanksgiving, Mm-hmm. This is where divorce coaches can also support clients and really helping them think about what is it? What are their wants? What are their needs? What are their fears? What are their uncertainties? And engage in sort of a, a reality testing process to identify what the issues are that are might be holding them back, which then that speaks to that next skill of flexible thinking and proposal development. So being uninformed in that process is just really going into it without any understanding. And and divorce coaches, even there's a lot of divorce coaches that practice as mediators as well. I'm one of them, Deb, you're a trained mediator as well. But even for those divorce coaches that aren't dual certified in mediative process, can do a tremendous benefit and be a benefit to the clients by helping them understand the basics about mediation. One of the things that I see is is a big area of misunderstanding for clients that I think divorce coaches can really, really work through with clients is they have a misunderstanding of the role of a mediator. Mm -hmm. They really do not understand that the mediator's role is to ensure a fair process, not to ensure a fair outcome. Yes. And so I, you know, I, in my own practice, have heard clients say things like, well, yes, I need to meet in pre-session with the mediator so that I can explain all the things, right? Or I'm afraid my spouse is really charming. They're going to get the mediator on their side. Mm Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think a couple of things, right, is is helping them understand the role of the mediator and then helping them advocate for themselves if and when they would find themselves in a space where they don't feel like that mediator is being neutral. And we yeah. hear about those those times, too, and how to handle that. So helping them understand what the process is intended to do 
and help them understand what the role of the mediator is and what their role is and how they're different. And yeah, yeah, that comes up whether they are pro se or whether they're represented. A hundred percent. I see attorneys not explain this to them very well either. Yeah. We, I've seen a great deal of attorneys, you know, having a 15 minute chat with the client prior to going into mediation, right? Which, which, which causes a whole other set of problems that I could probably speak to about for five hours nonstop. Right. But I think to that point, right. Often clients come in. I just did a consult call with a client who's coming to me. I specialize in pre-mediation divorce coaching. So working with clients and preparing for the mediation process, I just had a consult call with an individual who went into their first mediation session and was really upset and angry. So she sought me out. She was referred to me. And one of the things that she had said to me was it was really unfair. Okay. My favorite F Mm -hmm. word in divorce. Okay. It wasn't fair. The mediator didn't understand that his he he doesn't live up to his responsibilities. He doesn't do this. And she was just listening to him and buying into what he was saying. And, and, and right. So, so she felt that she had to, that her assumption was in the process was that the mediator was there as a judge to mm-hmm. judge somebody's behavior, right? right? And again, that's the other really important piece is, is that the mediator's role is not that of one of a judge or a jury. They mm-hmm. are neutral to the process to facilitate a conversation, a dialogue, a negotiation. So it is their job to hear both sides. It is not their job to believe any one side or to say one side is right or wrong. Right. It's their job to stay neutral, neutral, neutral. Neutral, Right. Yes. So you mentioned mistake number two, where divorce coaches can absolutely add value and improve the chances that clients will get a successful outcome. And that is letting emotions run the show. Right. Mm -hmm. Wanting emotional justice, staying fixed on past problems, reacting emotionally instead of responding strategically feeling like there is a perceived power imbalance in the room, right? These are areas where we can support them in, and you mentioned them at the beginning, right? Skill development, really self-soothing, improving their distress tolerance, working on that language, helping them listen, all those things, reality testing. Mm -hmm. We can help them get to the point where it's not emotions that are in charge in that room, but strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Because we know that when emotions are unregulated or at play, the clients are engaged in stress, trauma responses, mm-hmm. and those block the party's ability, our client's ability to think clearly, to engage in effective strategy, to present proposals, to ask questions about the other, their spouse's proposals, right? Rather than just saying, are you freaking crazy? Right. Right. Which is an example, right? Of the emotions dictating the words rather than a thoughtful process and response. So emotional management is foundational 
right? And mm-hmm. it's the work that we do so well as divorce coaches is helping clients in the self-discovery about how those things are showing up for them, what they mean for them, what they experience when they happen and how they play out in their behavior. When they're able to identify those things, right? It kind of clears the way, kind of moves the mark away, clears the weeds out to be able to engage in a cognitive process, right? And when I talk about a cognitive process, I'm talking about being in the thinking part of your brain that allows you to articulate your needs and interests, engage in active listening to be able to hear that other party and to engage in effective decision-making that are not controlled or dictated by those emotions. Right. Mediation is negotiation. The goal of being there is to get to agreement, meaning it is all about decision-making. And one of the favorite phrases that I've heard is, um, and I love this, when emotions are high, intelligence is low. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And so that is not the space we want clients to be in when they're making some of the biggest, most impactful decisions of their lives. We don't want their intelligence to be low. So that is where your coaching skills in helping your clients do great emotional management so that they can respond strategically instead of react emotionally. You can help your clients avoid that very common mediation mistake. Yeah. And I get it, right, Deb? I mean... mediation, right? People feel sort of unprotected. They're out there on their own, even with attorneys, right? Because they don't understand, right? They don't understand. So, and these are big stake decisions. These are, I get it, big stake decisions. And it's scary. It is scary. It's scary. It is. And that brings us to our third big mistake. And that is most people don't know how to negotiate. No. How we think we about <laughs> most people, the only way they know how to negotiate is what we would call positional bargaining. Mm-hmm. So think about going to the car lot and you want to buy a car and the car salesman says, well, the car costs $20,000. And you say, I'm not willing to pay a penny over 15000 And the two of you sit there and puff your chests out and argue back and forth. And he takes a little off the price and you come up a little until you somehow get to something in the middle. That's positional bargaining or haggling, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the only, that's the only method most people know for negotiation and is actually the least effective. effective. (laughs) The least effective in coming up with an agreement that most people, that both people are going to be satisfied with, right? And so going into mediation based on the law and then doing positional bargaining is a sure way for both people to be pissed off and to probably walk away and decide they're going to litigate. Yeah. And 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 honestly, I'm going to go out a little and be a little provocative here. It's often one of the things that hinders individuals who are going into mediation with attorneys. Yeah. Right. Because they they are even more entrenched in positional thinking or the law or their interpretation of the law. And, hey, I've got my attorney here and they're going to say what the law is. And you know what's happening? I'm entitled to. Yep. And you know what's happening on the other side of that with the other party to the conflict with their attorney? Right. They're saying, well, we 
see the law as this and you're entitled to this. And then everybody is stuck on those positional opposite sides without Mm -hmm. the ability to try to effectively take a step closer to one another. And to be able to do that, right? We just talked about the emotional management piece, but to be able to do that, it requires some skills in negotiating, which people don't come to the party to. And, And attorneys are not skilled in negotiating. They're skilled in proving their case, but that's not what the mediation process is supposed to be about. The mediation process, again, who are they proving that case to? The other party? Maybe. But that but the mediator's not a judge. Nope. So, so they're not proving your case to the mediator is a waste of oxygen. Yep. It's a waste of oxygen. It's like trying to argue politics on Facebook. No, you're not going to change anybody's <laughs> mind and nothing's going to happen. So what is effective? What is effective and what you can do as a divorce coach is read the book, Getting to Yes. First yeah. of all, if you want to get familiar with good principled negotiation, interest-based negotiation, read the book, Getting to Yes. That will get you grounded um, in that. But it's understanding What's motivating the other party? What are my interests? Not what's my position? What's my interest? What am I trying to achieve? What's my goal? What's motivating the other party? Trying to come up with brainstorming lots of different options for ways I could get this interest or need met, right? Mm -hmm. Understanding their BATNA, best alternative to a negotiated agreement. Before I step out of this room, I better understand If I decide to go to court, what are the chances I'm going to get the outcome that I want? And how much is it going to cost me to roll that dice? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that is, again, all work that a divorce coach can do with a client, assisting with proposal development, identifying interests, helping them seek out their BATNA, and then considering the costs of those choices and options. Absolutely. And and just to kind of drill down on interest, you, you said it, but I really want to stress this for divorce coaches, right? We work on an individual basis, right? And we believe when we work with clients, we can see transformation on an individual basis. And it only takes one party to be willing to do that, to change the dynamics of two parties in conflict. It doesn't take both parties. It can take just one party. But also what we're doing when we're helping clients identify their interests, not their wants, their interests, they are also looking at what the other party's interests are, Mm -hmm. right? Then we as divorce coaches can support looking at perspective and beliefs and, and mindfulness, right? And so it might just seem, oh, they, they're just want 50, 50 because they don't want to pay child support. Okay. And, Mm -hmm. and, and maybe that is true, or maybe that isn't true, but if we were to take a step back on it and we were to potentially identify that as the other party's interests, how does that play out in our own proposal development, in our own interest to be able Mm -hmm. to develop a proposal that might meet the interests of the parties? If their interest is financial, and our interest is parenting time. There might be other ways to meet both parties' interests 
without sticking on the position that we are currently arguing over. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I know. So there, there's so many, we're just highlighting three of the common mistakes that we often see with clients entering into the mediative process and really want to uphold this space for you, divorce coaches, right? Even if you don't feel you have a a solid working knowledge as a mediator, you can still support your client foundationally in these things. One, basic understanding of the mediative process. Two, right? Making sure your client is informed as to what can they expect? What does that look like? That includes making sure they understand they can have a say in who they hire as a mediator. Okay. We kind of missed that piece, but that's a big, important piece. It is. The other one is really supporting our clients in that emotional regulation. How are they showing up? What does that look like for them? And we do that as divorce coaches all day long, but really looking at it in terms of understanding what's at stake for that client and why the fears are showing up so prevalently and how they can do that with somebody who they've been in conflict with perhaps for years in their marriage. And then preparing to negotiate. Deb, you mentioned the book, Getting to Yes. It is like the Bible for uh, many individuals who do their work in alternative dispute resolution. And as a reminder, all you divorce coaches, you are alternative dispute resolution specialists, right? So supporting clients and developing those skills to help them negotiate, which we talk about in terms of flexible thinking, proposal development, and then effective communication strategies. So we, we are here to support you. If this is something that you find, right, because mediation is becoming so prevalent in states and and in countries. Lots of clients are choosing the mediation process or having the process be chosen for them. You can support your client in doing that. If you're interested in learning more, we have amazing uh, specialized training in pre-mediation divorce coaching. Uh, If you want to check it out, we're going to be offering up the course again soon. You can simply jump on our site and fill out a form that you're interested in. We'll keep you posted when that's going to happen. But in the interim, right? You can play a vital, important role for your clients in this process and and make a difference and helping clients get to yes more. (laughs) Getting to yes. uh, What is it? Agreeing without giving in something like that, which is exactly the goal. Mutually satisfying agreements. Yep. Okay. Okay. Right. Which which ends up being a win-win for all parties, right? When we can help clients get to that resolution so that they can move forward positively in their life. Right. All right, guys, I want to thank you so much for listening in today. We look forward to you joining us again when we're talking about all things that are relevant to certified professional practicing divorce coaches. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. It helps other divorce professionals find us and add to the conversation. And don't forget to follow us on social media to be the first to know when we add new classes and events. We'll be back next week with another topic to help you maximize client impact, create a thriving business, and promote the value of professional divorce coaching.